One of the things I can always count on is that there will always be confirmation. Now, what is confirmation? Confirmation is when you get that sign from the universe, that little synchronistic kismet moment that reassures you that what you're doing is right. And the fact that Anchor by Spotify makes everything so easy to record my podcast and upload it, I've got episodes lined up for the rest of the year, all in one place, because everything can be done either on my desktop or on my phone. Anchor has the tools that allows you to record and edit your podcast anywhere, right from your phone or your computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and so many more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, it's totally free. I would suggest downloading the Anchor app or going to anchor.fm to get started because the one thing that could happen is you put out something that everyone needs to hear and you get confirmation of exactly what you needed. Even though there are millions of podcasts already, the world doesn't have yours. Join Anchor today. Welcome back to another episode of Metaphysical AF. And today I'm going to be reading from an amazing book called 250 Methods for Altering Your Consciousness Without Drugs by Edward Rosenfield. And it's called The Book of Highs. So this book is talking about how to alter your states of consciousness without using drugs or without using plant medicine or without using, you know, various different things that we consider things to be what gets you high. Um, you can get high from meditating. You can get high from having amazing sex with your partner. So this book is going to, this is a great book. I encourage everyone to buy it. This book, it has different parts. Um, I'm going to read the foreword and talk a little bit about each different section. So the first section talks about awareness. And this is part one is talking about just yourself. So altering your states of consciousness, just using yourself, such as concentration, biological awareness, visceral awareness, somatic awareness, self-awareness, the next thing it talks about are positive techniques like meditation, prayer, long times at sea or in the desert or in the Arctic, self-hypnosis, trance, rituals, chanting and mantras, mudras, religious conversion, auditory illusions, repetition, mathematics. Uh, there's something called a Zen power yell, which is very interesting. And then there are also negative techniques that can alter your consciousness, such as suffering, pain, rage, panic, neurosis, amnesia, exhaustion, migraines, narcotic withdrawal, demonic possession, firewalking, fasting, and involuntary isolation. It also talks about fantasy, sleep, dreaming, and sex as ways to alter your consciousness, um, self-waking from dreams, control of dreams, uh, which is something that 
I have had control of my dreams for as long as I can remember and have actively been a vivid dreamer since I was five years old. And I specifically set the intention to have a bad dream and realized once I had that power, how I never wanted to like request a bad dream again. So that's really, really interesting. Um, It also talks about how orgasm, nudity, dreams applied to waking life, sunbathing, floating, like in a sensory deprivation chamber, um, lullabies, uh, fantasy and daydreaming, everyday everyday life of ways to alter your consciousness. It talks about the Zen morning laugh, deja vu, sensory reminiscence, movement postures, creativity, jumping up and down, running, gymnastics, mountaineering, Voluntary social withdrawal is a great way to enhance your state of consciousness as well. Part two talks about help from others. So this is going to be like character analysis, will therapy, synetics, rational psychotherapy, uh, Maslowian psychology, bioengenetics, client-centered therapy, marathon, theater games, dance therapy, nude therapy, family therapy, behavior therapy, the Alexander technique, kinetics, hypnosis, massage, things along that sort. As also, those are like therapies and miscellaneous things. It also goes into religions and mysticism and talks about Taoism, tantric sex, yoga, uh, TM, which is transcendental meditation, Jewish mysticism, astrology, magic, alchemy, Scientology, Sufism, flower arrangement, martial arts, Tai Chi, haiku, Buddhism, Confucianism. And then it goes into more religious and miscellaneous things such as faith healing, seances, crowds, brainwashing, body chanting, sex with others, prolonged sexual intercourse, and awareness of others. Part three is specifically on devices and machines. So I Ching, tarot, incense, sensory orgies, stained glass, hot and cold baths, body confinement, mandalas, gymnastic equipment, scuba and skin diving, masks, rock throwing, break off, skydiving, space travel, Those are the non-electric ways. And then the electric ways that it talks about are sensory overload, films, dream machines, the Riley room, the infinity room, the psychedelic bathtub, the seeing your eyes, the Russian sleep, TV, repetition tapes, biofeedback, brain music, and computer human interface are some of the things that are covered in this book. There's no way that I can cover everything in this book, but I'm definitely gonna go through and kind of list and talk about the ones that are really the most interesting, that are really intriguing. Um, because what it, you know, when it comes back down to it, this is ways of altering your consciousness. And when you think about altering your consciousness, you are altering the program that you're running because every person is like a biocomputer and every person has an operating system. And you may be running an operating system that you're really not familiar with, but you've just been running it and running it and running it because you're working on autopilot, whether that's from anxiety or stress or fear, whatever it's from, you picked up this 
way of operating that you've carried forward into adulthood. And there's no way that you're not running programs that in the background are just really not helping. So the foreword was written by Andrew Weil, who is the author of The Natural Mind. And in this foreword, he talks about how altered state of consciousness have become so respectable in the past few years that they're known as ASCs. So that's what I'm going to refer to them to for the rest of the episode is ASCs. Um, conferences on them are at the Smithsonian. Um, they have them month by month. But despite the accumulation of scientific data, we still do not know what it is to be high or the significance of our seeking this state so persistently. The desire to have peak experiences, to transcend to limitations of ordinary consciousness operate in all of us. So it's basic that it looks like an inborn drive. Almost as soon as an infant sits up, they begin to rock themselves into highs. Later, as young children, they learn to whirl in other states of awareness or hyperventilate out of ordinary reality. And then still later, it says they, you know, discover drugs. There's been much talk about alternatives to drugs, and this book describes many techniques for getting high without using the use of drugs. And getting high just means altering your state of consciousness and living in an elevated vibration. So some objects to drug-induced highs are, are on a puritanical level. So it's easy to get pleasure but it's also easy to take a pill or have religious ecstasy. One ought to work or suffer for the reward. He says, I doubt that any drug user will be convinced by such an argument, especially if his pills do the trick for him. A more convincing argument born out of the experience of many users is that drugs sometimes do not do the trick. They may trigger panic states and depressions instead of highs. He goes on to say, the value of drugs is their ability to trigger important states of consciousness. People who grow up in our materialistic culture may need a drug experience to show them that other modes of consciousness exist. It is notable that the increasingly widespread interest in meditation, intuitive understanding, and spiritual development was spurred by drug-triggered highs giving a glimpse of those other realities. The problem is that drugs cannot be used regularly without losing their effectiveness, so they do not maintain the high. This foreword was written in 1973. That's, uh, that's a, I mean, that's not like like five years ago. That's a long time. So he says, even if we were to convert most of the drug takers in our country into meditators, chanters, or whirling divrishes, he's not certain it would end the decisions, the decisions. So he says, I think that many people who seem to be anti-drug would be suspicious of any methods used to get out of the ordinary awareness. Meditation, for instance, despite all the support from Orthodox religion, is often erroneously regarded as an avenue to passive withdrawal from the world and would doubtlessly stir up much opposition if it were practiced openly on a larger scale. As we know today, meditation and Reiki and crystals and tarot are becoming more 
the magic and the ritual and the witchcraft of everyday life is becoming more and more apparent and more widely accepted. So that's something that we can really consider and know that things are progressing and changing. He also says concentration is the key. In normal states of mind, our conscious energies are scattered. Our attention wanders aimlessly from thought to thought to external sensations to internal sensations to the past to the future to the snatches of tunes of hopes and fears to images to objects. Nearly all systems of meditation require preliminary practice at concentration. So meditation is nothing other than directed concentration and concentration is power. So let's get into it. Literally the first awareness page, like the first part of this book, the number one is concentration. And he says the development of concentration is our ability to direct our attention at will is germane to many of the technique, techniques and methods that are described in this book. We usually go through our days paying little attention to our environment. It is occasionally that we actually take in a particular object, image, thought, or person. We fail almost always to concentrate. Concentration means learning to focus. It means training ourselves through practice to stay with the object of our attention despite distractions. It means staying with a subject and mastering our relationship with the subject. This does not mean mastering the subject. Real concentration indicates a relationship of equality. Our attention should be directed towards the field, both interior and exterior of our environment. That field is made up of gestalin, gestalin, literally configurations or patterns, programs. In order for these configurations to become meaningful, part of the pattern serves as a background so that another part of it will stand out as the foreground. Life itself is a continuum of such changing and transforming figure grounding interactions. Try an experiment, it says. Concentrate on one of your fingertips. Carefully examine the lines that are etched there. Treat them as though they were a maze and choose a beginning and end. Don't resist when your attention fades. Stay with the experience. Find out what happens to your concentration when it wanders. Very great. Very, very great. Um, sensory awareness. We receive information from and about our environments through our senses. So, of course, the primary senses are vision, hearing, smell, taste, and touch. Our senses continually process an amazing amount of information. So here again, that gestalt theory of uh, figure ground formation is important to our understanding. When we open our eyes, we observe and focus our visual attention on one subject. The other objects in that same visual field form the background against which that figure stands out. There are many different methods, techniques, and exercises which can help us to develop our sensory awareness. He suggests the best way to develop the senses is to find out what it's like to live without them. And it's very known that if you lose a sense, 
your other senses get heightened. And this is called sensory deprivation whenever you cut off one of your senses. So like floating in a sensory deprivation chamber creates an entire blackness where you can't see anything, you can't hear anything, you can't really smell anything but the salty water that's making you float. Sight lends itself to this experiment best. Select an environment that you know very well, such as your house, your bedroom, or someplace equally familiar. Close your eyes or wear a blindfold and sightlessly examine your environment. Pay attention to those senses you use when you cannot see. You will depend on your sense of touch to feel your way around, and you may also use your sense of smell. You will hear sounds that you rarely pay attention to. I think this is a great experiment to try. If you're driving, don't do this right now. Um, <laughs> this is a great experiment to try. Um, biological awareness. We often forget that we're an animal species. Our powers of communication have become so great and vast that we have forgotten how recently we left the trees. What is necessary is perspective. A trip to the zoo, or better, a weaponless safari, will remind us that we are biologically linked to the other species on our planet. Better organized than some, less peaceful than most, lacking in spontaneity, yet exceedingly intelligent, still we are animals, which means we are meat. We are flesh and cells and neurons and blood, organs and bone and marrow. We are hair and muscle and teeth and secretion and waste. What are we made of? What are we made from? How do we keep making? Reduce experience to the cellular level. Learn about cells and be your cells. Rather, be cells be invisible. Feel your needs, feel your revulsions, experience your levels on all of your strata, flow like blood, and leap and charge like a nerve impulse across a synopsy. Be aware of how you process nourishment and eliminate toxins and continue to be. Imagine anthropologists from another world observing and visiting us. What might they find? <laughs> what would they describe what would they describe us as? This is great. So I'm going to skip through a few pages and go over to the positive techniques um, of altering your consciousness, which is the first one I'm going to talk about is meditation. And meditation is essentially sitting quietly, doing nothing, or perhaps quietly doing no thing here and now. You can also meditate by chanting mantras that does realign the neurological aspects of your brain by hitting the certain meridians that are in the roof of your mouth. So there are 84 meridians in the roof of your mouth, and each one of them is like putting in a code to the computer of your brain. So every word you say, everything that you say is literally putting in some part of the program to your computer. So it's very important to be aware of the way you talk to yourself, how you think, and the words that you say out to other people because you're inputting, it's literally like math codes whenever you talk. Whatever you're saying, you're hitting those meridians on your the roof of your mouth and your brain is accepting those codes. There's no... There's no like stop, full stop button. 
The fundamentals of all meditation are centered in yourself, wherever you may be, still on the move or doing nothing, but that which you are doing at the moment. A simple sitting meditation procedure is described as finding a place that you won't be disturbed, a comfortable spot where you want to sit for at least 15 minutes. It takes 11 minutes for your mind to switch over into a different state of consciousness. If you chant for three minutes, you start the initiation. When you get to seven minutes, you're very close to that 11 minutes, but it's very, it's at that point where you're like, oh, I could just stop. That's where you have to battle through and kind of push through to that 11 minute mark. And once you're past the 11 minute mark, you really can become a zealot and you can sit for 30 minutes or 60 minutes or even 90 minutes doing various types of meditation and just being aware and being in yourself. Um, and you can have transcendental experiences with meditation. What is the most interesting in meditation is the state of being that you can develop. A quality of clear attention and great ability to focus and concentrate. Your mind is sending out thoughts. And whenever you send out a thought, that thought contains its own vibration. It's like listening to a radio station and having a certain, you have to be on a certain frequency to hear the songs that are coming and being played on that frequency. So whenever you meditate, you get into a different state, a different frequency, and you're able to receive messages. You're able to hear things that your heart and your gut, your other minds are telling you. So it's really, really important to meditate. It's really, really great. A really difficult but rewarding form of meditation is the meditation on nothing or no thing. This brings about the encounter with paradox. If the object of meditation is nothing and you reach this object, recognition that you have arrived at nothing will constitute something. Perhaps nothing will become of no other thing but this, the latter being what is at the center of consciousness in the here and now. Meditation can lead to the experience of this place. This is so great. This is very, very, I really like this book. It literally like sits in my bathroom and I'll just open it and read it and find different things. Um, Another one of the ways of consciousness is alterations of breathing. So our breath is our life. We can go days without water, but we can go seconds without air. So air is the first food of the newborn. When we stop breathing, our life ends. So breath nourishes the circulatory system and the brain and the seat of the nervous system. When we alter our breathing, we alter our consciousness and our life. So throughout the day, our breathing is secondary to our daily concerns for job, family, security, safety, finances, money. You're not thinking about breathing. And when someone tells you to breathe, you consciously take that breath in and you're like, oh, I needed that. I needed to remember to breathe. We don't pay attention to our breathing except in an emergency. So people in a burning theater will trample each other because of breathing difficulties. Weights on the chest and the diaphragm and swimming underwater bring about increased attention to breathing. To begin conscious and controlled alterations of breathing requires an awareness of the how of breathing. Do you inhale through your mouth or your nose or both? What about exhaling? 
Pay attention to your breathing for five minutes and ignore everything but the rhythm and flow of your inhaling and exhaling. How do you breathe? Are you breathing with your shoulders, your chest, the stomach? What combinations do you use? When do you, when you take a deep breath, what do you take? Where does it go? Close your eyes and deeply and fully inhale and exhale five times. Draw in the air through your mouth all the way down, filling your diaphragm until the breath reaches the pit of your abdomen. When you have brought this air all the way down, pause and then begin to let the air back up. Make sure that you exhale completely, that all of the air that is taken in is expired. At the completion of the expiration, pause and then begin the process all over again. After this experiment, open your eyes and look at the world. Look at how vibrant the colors are and how your atmosphere has changed around you. So that that's great. I mean, it's really great to really take the time to notice your breath. Um, when things start to get... Whenever you have something come up that energetically feels like a crisis or triggering or traumatic or you see something online and you're like, this is bullshit, blah, 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 blah. And you really just want to go off and rant and tweet about it and, you know, rant in your own way. Take a breath. Take five breaths and then see if the intention and thoughts that you're about to put out are really the energy that you want to be putting out into the universe. Because once you put it out there, it's out there to stay. So let's talk about rituals. When men did everything to please the gods, things had to be done the correct way and at a certain time. And with the winter solstice coming up tomorrow, this is especially true for ceremonies. Rites of passage, initiation, appeals for an end to a state of ill health, and all those demanded a form of communicating with the others, with the gods, with whoever was whoever was the lord and reign of that particular that particular ailment or whatever. Rituals provided this form, and today rituals have become a very great access to a lot of people. The exactness of any ritual procedure endows ritualistic action with a very unique spirit. This spirit can be felt in even the most ordinary of circumstances. So you can, your ritual can be waking up, taking a shower, washing your hair, leaving your conditioner in if you're you know, if you're me or if you're someone with really thick hair and you just like leave your conditioner in and rinse it out slightly. And then, you know, you brush your teeth, you want, you know, you, you take the time to wash your face, like the rituals that you do every day, you can really make everything that you do into a ritual. So this can include things such as prayer, incantations, and movements. More material ritual ingredients include, you know, music and musical instruments and various liquids, fabrics, plants, flowers. Make it your own. The ceremony of creating the ritual can be the ritual. So let's move on to chanting. And instead of this being like very, very long, 
I'm just going to probably read like five more and try to keep this podcast about 33 minutes. Right now we're at 26. I'm not sure how I'm going to, I'm long winded. You guys know that. So I don't know. (laughs) I don't know how long I'll get around. If you want me to read more of this or you want to buy this book, email metaphysicalaf at gmail.com and we'll get, I'll get this book into your hands. So now let's talk about chanting and mantras because I think this is one of the things that really helped me the most when it came to my yogic practice. I wanted to really disconnect from watching a yoga flow or being in a room with people doing yoga and really just go at my own pace. And I found that kundalini chants and mantras were really the thing that worked for me the most. Um, I loved singing. Whenever I would feel, whenever I feel bad and I don't feel good, I sing and I sing to the top of my lungs. I was in the choir my entire life. I got a scholarship to college to sing. I sang in college in Obama's church in Chicago and I can sing in Latin and I'm a soprano and I love singing. Like it doesn't matter what it is. I love to sing, especially empowering, wonderful songs. Beyonce is always on the top of my playlist for when I want to sing something that really shifts my vibration. Also, Mariah Carey. Hello. We know Mariah. We know her. Uh, (laughs) So chanting is one of the most effective ways to turn on without drugs. It may take a little more time for some, but it always gets really good results. Chanting in a particular way of make is a, you know, a particular way of making sound with the human voice involving repetition of sound and tone. Talking about those meridians on the top of your mouth. In some chants, each syllable is held for an entire breath. And in others, a breath is taken only when it's needed. You, you don't realize how easy it is to breathe when you're chanting. So no matter which way you chant, the main idea is to develop your breathing through your chanting. By changing your normal breathing through chanting, you'll increase the oxygen level of the blood, reaching your brain, and alter your consciousness. So a great chant is chanting of your own name. Your name holds such a powerful intention for you that it's your name. Each letter has a certain vibration. Each letter has a certain numerological aspect that breaks down to show each part. Like if you've done your name numerology, that's something I'm going to talk about on another podcast of you create basically a three line chart, go three across, three around, you know, three down where you've got nine blocks. You write one through nine in those blocks in a certain way. And then you write your name and each letter corresponds to a certain number. So chanting your name is an amazingly powerful thing for you to do. In workshops on chanting, a man named Bernard Aronson instructs the members to chant their own name. So if your name is Bernard, Aaron, Son, whatever your name be, whether it be Natalie, Felicia, Amanda, chant your name, Mark, like say the names that work for you. 
Hindus and Buddhists and others chant holy symbols known as mantra. A holy mantra is sometimes called the sound of God, which is the sound Om. So if you, you know, at the end of a yoga practice, sometimes the, the, the teacher will be like, okay, now let's chant Om, because that's a symbol that is supposed to be, that sound is supposed to be the sound of the universe. And that's the kind of the sound that you hear whenever you play a gong and it's just like rattling through your brain like, oh, and you can really go and go and go and go with that. So, um, which is funny because go is another chant that you can use to really, uh, really boost your well-being, boost your vibration, as well as chanting victory. If you take your tongue and put it at the roof of your mouth and you chant victory, 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 victory over and over and over again, you really get some good some good, 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 good stuff coming in. So I'm already at 31 minutes. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to flip through these pages and find one that also talk about the things, the negative techniques that result in our altered states of consciousness. And then I'm going to do a couple more episodes of this down the line and talk about different aspects that you can help to use to alter states of consciousness without using drugs. The negative techniques that you kind of run programs um, are like suffering and pain. So suffering does as much to change the life of a human being as almost anything else. Most of us do not like to suffer and those who do seek it with a passion and explore it in its every contingency. Suffering forces us to reassess our place, position, goals, aims, values, worth, and direction. And suffering brings about transformation because suffering forces change. And when we're suffering mentally, we're irritated and we're incomplete. But this suffering, this incompleteness, can be the impetus to finding a new situation for ourselves. Suffering demands relief. It demands new environments. It demands new supports. So physical suffering is categorized by pain and often demands that a new environment which sometimes can be the death of whatever you thought you needed. Pain is any system's resistance to a stimulus. So everyone has and will continue to experience pain. No one can get away with not feeling pain. The intensity of pain experience will be modulated by the degree of resistance with which a system encounters the pain-producing stimuli. So this systematic or this systemic production of pain through resistance is fully revealed through structural integration or rolfing. Whenever muscles are being manipulated to the point of pain, the pain is reduced when one can open up the muscle and let the manipulation be processed. Some people are truly turned on by pain, and this is usually connected in very complicated ways to philosophies of self-suffering. Many people experience sexual pleasure through pain, even ecstatic pleasure. There are different types of pain. There's dull, sharp, quick, long-lasting. Each of these types brings different experiences. So quick, sharp pain brings an increase in adrenaline and causes shallow breathing, whereas long, dull pain usually promotes listlessness and depression. 
So initial pain brings awareness of systemic resistance, which is continuous, which continuous pain dulls awareness. Another one of the things that has a negative technique that alters our consciousness is paranoia. So this, I think this really plays into anxiety. Um, are you sure? Can you ever really know? I could have sworn they were talking about you. Wasn't that your name just then? And so it goes, it seems forever. Um, several, it says in this book, he talks about Laura Huxley brought out a very fine little book containing some simple but profound recipes for experiencing the fullness of being alive. The only problem was the title, You Are Not the Target. The fact is, you are the target. The entire universe is a plot that is keeping you alive. You came here for a certain reason. You you brought yourself here. You didn't, you're not a victim of circumstance. We're at 34 minutes, so we're just gonna keep going. Keep in mind that every intricate scheme that you know about, someone somewhere is plotting something even more heinous. And the focus of the plot could easily be you. There's also positive paranoia, which most paranoia concerns delusions of persecution, but positive paranoia exhibits delusions of grandeur. This kind of paranoia is often confused with telepathy and mind reading. Driving down the highway on the 7th of July, 1977 at 7.07 in the morning, and you know that the car in front of you will have a license plate with sevens in it and be carrying seven passengers. And since seven is your lucky number, you know that today is the day for you to realize all your dreams. Everything that happens to you is a part of a benefic plot, a grand scheme so marvelous that it's hard for you to believe that it's happening, which who can relate? Who can relate? <laughs> um, of course, exhaustion is a way to alter a state of consciousness. Uh, if you exhaust and deplete your resources, it brings out an altered state. True exhaustion often causes physical collapse, hallucinations, apparitions, very various different things. Most people experience exhaustion because of overwork. And other ways to bring an exhausted state are fasting or sleep deprivation, which is, which is great, which is great. Let's see. Let's get into some ghostly gatherings. Um, let's talk about demonic possession. And if you're not familiar, you should listen to the podcast, Two Girls, One Ghost. It is a great podcast that has many stories of encounters that range from everything from seeing ghosts, apparitions, to people being demonically possessed. And these are not stories to be taken lightly. Um, we very much know that it is possible for an entity to take over another energetic frequency and use it. Um, most primitive societies have some possession-like contact with demonic spirits. Demonic spirits. The actual possession by these spirits comes through about a form of ritualistic cultural hypnosis. In primitive societies, the demonic spirits are often ancestors or animal spirits, so not necessarily a demonic possession is bad. The village elders often speak to these spirits, and demonic possessions is often considered a privileged state. So... That's something to look into and is very, very interesting. For the next episode, we're going to talk about fantasy, sleep, dreaming, and sex. And if you love this podcast, please review, rate, and subscribe to the podcast. If you send me an email with your 
review, I will send you the free crystal ebook that is available on my website. The website is maggiemaywilson.com and you can find lots of wonderful information. I'm a spiritual guide and a coach and a mentor and a Reiki master teacher. So developing meditations for people is one of my absolute strongest fortes because I understand that the energetic traumas and psychological abuses that we have suffered through our lives, I don't really like to use the word suffered, but the things that we have experienced in our lives have created programs. And a lot of the times we're not aware of those programs. So meditation is one of the really great factors that you can use and guided meditation is really great. What we do is what works for you. So we have a consultation and we talk about what's going to be the most efficient way for you and what works for you. And then we change that over time as you start to change your neurological patterns and programs. Please like and subscribe to the podcast, email metaphysicalaf at gmail.com to find out any other information, to tell us a story, if you have a psychic experience, if you have a demonic possession experience, if you have found other sorts of altered ways to illuminate or change your conscious vibration that I may not have listed. Share with us. This book was written, you know, in 1977, it looks like. So that, you know, that's over 40 years ago that we really have changed and evolved as a human consciousness. So thank you so much for listening. There will be more episodes about this. Write to us, subscribe to us, share the podcast. It helps us so much. And when I say yes, I mean me and my angels, my guides and my children, everything, like the whole thing. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you have a wonderful rest of your day. Please don't forget to support the Patreon if you like. There are tiers starting at $3.33. You get unreleased content, unreleased episodes, and so much more. Feel free to go to the website, maggiemaywilson.com, where you can find a slew of information as well as lots of free resources. And don't forget to spend some time this holiday season with yourself. Don't let the humdrum of getting gifts and having to be with people and having to see certain parts of people of your family really take the front seat. Self-care is the most important. You're here for you. And just like when the oxygen mask drop and you get that speech from the airline attendants, you have to put your mask on before you can put anybody else's mask on. So make sure you're putting your mask on before anyone else's and you're really dedicating that time to yourself. Thank you so much for listening and I look forward to hearing from you soon. Bye.